Hello, and welcome to the Eisner Amper podcast series. I'm your host, Alana Margulies Snyderman, and with me today is Sama Asan, Senior Investment Analyst at Exome Asset Management. Today, Sama will share with us his outlook for investing in healthcare, including the greatest opportunities, challenges, and more. Hi, Sama. Thank you so much for being with me today. Hi, Ilana. Thanks you for taking the time to join the podcast with Eisner. Very excited to, to speak to you. Great, Sama. So to kick off the conversation, tell us a little about Exome and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, of course. So I'll start off with, you know, on the personal side. Um, I went to New York University uh, for undergrad um, and growing up, you know, I was a, a very big science fan. Um, you know, did a lot of work in the lab, clinical research during my undergrad. Uh, I majored in economics and chemistry. And you know, following college, I think my, my path forward was to go into, you know, clinical medicine as a possibility. Uh, I did take a couple years uh, to further my education uh, with a master's in biotechnology at Johns Hopkins University. Um, and during that period was when I first started to get aware of, you know, the biotech world and the biotech industry as a whole, uh, as well as the biotech uh, on the finance side. Uh, there was a class I took um, with a professor who was a very big VC, um, v- venture capitalist instructor. And, you know, in that class, I learned a lot about sort of how biotech companies, you know, are seeded and, and will go through the process to you know, go through Series A, Series B, um, and then onto the public markets. And that sort of opened my eyes to sort of a new world that I was not very familiar with. Um, and so following my, my time at Johns Hopkins University, um, you know, I, I did some recruiting and I found myself... Um, with Sam Isley, who's uh, the managing partner and founder of Exome Asset. Uh, I initially started off as an intern covering gene therapy, uh, as that was sort of my background in, in research. And Sam at the time had been, I guess, a year after he uh, left Orbamed. He was the founder of Orbamed back in the 90s, which is, you know, grew to be a $15 billion fund, uh, global healthcare fund. And starting in 2020, Sam had decided, you know, he's looking for the next chapter um, in his career. Uh, he seeded a family office called Exum Asset Management in 2020. Uh, and I joined the Exum team uh, in about fall of 2020. Um, and, you know, since then, we've raised about $200 million um, to 2023. And... You know, some background on Exome Asset. Uh, you know, we are a global healthcare fund. We have two strategies, a developed market strategy focusing on healthcare in the United States and Europe, uh, and then another strategy focusing on emerging markets healthcare. Um, and over the past few years, you know, we've you know, had a lot of success. Uh, I'm now covering the therapeutics between biotech and pharmaceuticals at Exome. Great, Sama. So to shift gears, love to hear about your outlook for investing in healthcare. Yeah, of course. So, you know, we definitely think it's a, it's a very critical time 
uh, for healthcare investing. Um, you know, healthcare has definitely lagged in 2023 relative to the general market. Um, and that's been weirdly both in sort of the defensive names such as pharmaceuticals, managed care, uh, as well as some of the more risk-on names, such as biotech and, and life science tools. Um, and obviously, you know, part of that might be due to you know, the euphoria of tech and AI, which has clearly, you know, put some pressure on the healthcare market. Um, but, you know, I think looking forward, we're entering a really critical time. Obviously, there's some really hot themes in, in the healthcare world and specifically within drug development as it relates to obesity um, and, and uh, gene therapy and gene editing, which are taking major steps forward. Salma, I'd love for you to touch on where you see some of the greatest opportunities investing in healthcare and why. Yeah, I think, you know, as it relates to therapeutics, you know, there, there's a ripe, the ample space right now, especially within the rare disease market, um, you know, the FDA over the past few years has really increased the flexibility of, you know, and on rare diseases in particular, um, they've been more flexible on novel endpoints uh, and flexible trial designs to ensure that, you know, therapies are reaching the market. Um, you know, currently only about 1% of all rare diseases have a treatment today. So there's a lot of there's a lot of um, you know, space that's ripe for development um, in these orphan diseases where the FDA has so shown some leniency in terms of, um, you know, allowing, patient, allowing companies to, you know, come up with innovative trial designs uh, to get drugs to patients. And Salma, on the other hand, what are some of the greatest challenges you face when it comes to investing in healthcare? Yeah, I think when it comes to healthcare, uh, there's definitely quite a few challenges. I think on the biotechnology side, you see a lot of competition within the same markets, uh, especially more lately. Uh, you know, Post-COVID, we saw a huge rush of new biotech companies come to the market and come to the, and get funding. Um, but a lot of these companies were going after the same target or the same disease. Uh, and that's made it difficult for people to really parse through, you know, which companies are the ones that are going to be able to, you know, make it to the finish line. Because uh, drug development can take you know, 10 years sometimes to go from a first, pa first uh, patient to approval. Um, so I think the competition in healthcare is very fierce. Uh, you obviously also have political and government intervention such as the IRA, which is now starting to um, set drug pricing negotiations. Uh, just, just this past week, we saw the first 10 drugs that uh, Medicare will be negotiating um, on behalf of CMS starting in 2026. So we have a lot of factors, both on the competition side and uh, Congress to account for when, when looking at healthcare companies. Sam, I wanted to go back on something you touched upon earlier in our conversation about weight loss drugs. And I know there's been a lot of news about them. So would you be able to describe for listeners how they work and the impact these have to our healthcare system? Yeah, of course. So 
these obesity drugs that you're probably hearing, such as Ozempic, Wagovi, Manjaro, uh, they've, they've actually been around for quite a long time. Uh, GLP-1s as a, as a mechanism of action has been, um, in, has been approved for about 20 years. Um, some of the older drugs in, include uh, Saxenda, Victoza, Ozempic, Rivelisys, Trulicity. Um, what we've seen in the past few years is companies like Novo Nordisk and Manjaro have now evolved the innovation of these drugs uh, to the point where not only are they able to provide glycemic control for type 2 diabetes patients, um, but they're now able to uh, impact weight loss in a meaningful way. Um, and the way that these drugs work is that they create a hormone, uh, which is called GLP-1, that goes to your brain and basically tells signals to your brain to stop that you've, that when you eat food, that you've, you know, that you've become full and it tells you to, it suppresses your appetite. And that allows pe people to, you know, contain, control portion sizes. Um, and, you know, for, for people with obesity, they're able to um, manage the, the amount of intake of food that they put in. So, you know, while it's, it's a new drug for the obesity indication, uh, the safety of this of these drugs have been proven for you know, almost two decades now, and we know that the, that there's very limited toxicity with the current uh, versions of these drugs. There are going to be some GI side effects like nausea, um, but for the most part, they are limited. Um, and more recently, Novo Nordisk uh, unveiled the results from the Select trial, which tested the cardiovascular benefits of Ozempic in an obese population. Uh, and this study showed there was a 20% improved reduction in uh, heart attacks, stroke, and death in patients that were taking Ozempic uh, versus patients that were not taking Ozempic. Um, and you know, the, this development is quite substantial because it should allow for more coverage and reimbursement and payer access uh, whether it's commercial or, or Medicare, uh, to come forward to fruition. Salma, so, we've covered a lot of ground today and wanted to see if you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with us or future plans about Exome or anything along those lines. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, at Exome, you know, we continue to, to scout uh, across the healthcare uh, industry, both in developed markets and emerging markets for, you know, the, the best of the best companies uh, you know, we continue to invest in, you know, those companies with, with products or innovations that are going to improve the lives of patients, um, you know, we, and we continue to look forward to, um, to our success. Sama, I wanted to thank you so much for sharing your perspective with our listeners. And thank you for listening to the Eisner Emperor podcast series. Visit EisnerEmperor.com for more information on this and a host of other topics. And join us for our next Size Ramper podcast when we get down to business.